You're tuning in to Pastar Prime, a show powered by Squad Locker. Here are your hosts, retired Astros minor league star Tip Fairchild and former Patriots All-Pro Center Dan Copen. Chest air popping. <laughs> All right. Chest air popping. It is. I gotta shave. For by somebody before yeah, pictures, they could probably leave some of this in the little banter beforehand. <laughs> Tip's yeah, got his chest hair, chest yeah, hair popping. He's ready to go. <laughs> We've been in here for five minutes. My armpits are already sweating. It's, you're it, pinning it's, your arms down. Oh, your, I, I'm never, I'm never ever gonna lift my arms in here again. Did my speech pump you up today? Because you got a lot of energy. Today, I, right you know, it, did it, I get you going? Episode 32, so welcome. Yeah. Uh, we're just going to go. Tip's chest hair, as we said, is ready to go. Um, <laughs> he likes yeah. to, he like he doesn't like to button up his uh, polo. Well, it's got this much. cool like pattern. So it would well, be much I'll better if you had chest hair to go along with it. But hey, I do today. To each their own. Yeah. I do today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, your your speech was inspiring. Yeah, we got after the sales team a little bit today. It, it just was good, and it, getting them going. It it, it wasn't negative. No, I kept it positive. But, it, I mean, it's a weekly meeting that's supposed to be inspirational and just see where uh, the sales department's at. But you got after it a little bit. And I'm going to go on with the uh, scorched earth approach. Yeah, I and, went a little and, scorched. And, and we got a good show today. We, today we have uh, Dr. Kevin Chapman coming on mm. um, where he yep. specializes, and this might be my first question to him, where he specializes in the assessment and treatment of anxiety and related disorders. As well as the implement input implementation, mm-hmm. don't just slow down. Implementation of cognitive behavioral therapy, which he's just gonna have to explain to me what the hell that well, is. Well, and a lot of it though is with youth sports and sports in general. Yeah, like I want to I want to say, hey, is it is, right. yeah, is it youth yeah. sports or is it all ages? Is it right. with sports or is it a whole general field that he has knowledge in? Now that he's work, now he can go in and talk to these sports teams. Right. So, like we'll, there, so there's sports psychiatrists everywhere, right? Co- I mean, correct. golfers have their own that they bring on to like every tournament. Sure. I'm sure that you guys had them. I, so we had them. Uh, I had a I see a mandatory sports psychologist, sports psychologist after I had my surgery on my elbow. 10 weeks. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They just like, oh. you know, they, you know, as, as part of the rehab, it's like you're talking through it too. They so were they were full, the full 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 service full service yeah I didn't I didn't have that sitting on the couch surgeries. okay all right well I mean, that's did you something. have one with the Patriots no. did you have a sports psychologist in there at all no but I think if I went in to see the trainer or something like that it's like hey I've I've got some issues you know they well, would they have helped me but it wasn't yeah. it wasn't part of the package it wasn't it wasn't full. part of the deal it wasn't part of the deal <laughs> <laughs> I guess they don't care about us <laughs> as NFL, much NFL insurance didn't cover that d- during that time. It would have your body, maybe not your brain. Yeah, it would have. I mean, trust me, I've been on the NFL plan. I've been on Medicaid. (laughs) (laughs) I much prefer that plan. Um, I like Squad Locker's plan right now, by the way. That's what we do. But I'm going to go on with the scorched earth. And we are going to build Squad Locker through past our prime a little bit. Oh, we are. We're going to go after everybody and we talked i to, want some butts want <laughs> some gun butts. when he gets the coffee on yeah, you when you were, that yeah, when I, you that were, was exactly my feel. Uh, when you were when you, he was texting me uh the other day about what was going to go on in this meeting and it, i could just think of that top gun yeah. scene with uh i forget his name though but the ball guy no it's the no, guy it's, who no it's the guy who got the flyby that does the tower yes yeah. the flyby yeah. <laughs> i want some butts yeah, that's when he drinks the coffee <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. falls out his shirt yeah. um 
but we're going to go at we're going to go after the primers and we're going to go after we all of them. And we talked about well, hey, we're going to do and team the of the week. Lockers, everybody. everybody. We're going after everybody. 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 But if but they're going to become a primer. Absolutely. So we're gonna we're gonna. There's we're a gonna method to our madness. We're gonna go after everybody. We're, we're just gonna so kill them all, as Metallica does. Every every lead that comes in, every store that gets built for Squad Locker, every person that's placing orders. Because like, we've done I mean, we Team do, of the Week, right? We've done, but we well, don't do we, we don't do, we, do, we, do, we, do, we do it kind we, of. Yeah, we kind of do Team of the Week. So we're we're ramping this up. So um, people that are placing orders again, building stores, doing leads with Squad Locker, we get literally hundreds every day, which is great. And then we get. Almost, you know, we get thousands of orders every day, which is also great. Yeah, good work. I mean, there, there's two thousand packages shipped out of here every day, two so to three thousand. With that, we're going to randomly pick one every day, where it's a lead, a store build, uh, or an order. We're going to pick them every day. We're going to put them on our stories, so they're going to go on our past our prime stories. But we're going to tag. You have to have Instagram. That's the big thing. You have to have Instagram because we need to be able to tag you. If we tag you in one of those, you follow us. You have people in here that are assigned to you. They are going to give you a gift. What are the gifts going to be, Dan? It could be $100. It could be $500. It could be $1,000. I, I, I mean, the way you are right now, I, I'm, I'm afraid what number is going to come out of your mouth. <laughs> it's comma. It might be yeah. a jacket. It might be a blanket. Yeah. We, it, got, we got a lot of, I was going to say S-H-I-T, but yeah. I don't want to. Right? Stuff. We got a lot yeah. of gear here. Gears we got work. a lot of apparel. Tons, and we can put your logo on it, mm-hmm. and we will give it to you for free. That's right. So set up a store. You don't have to do anything else. Just, oh, even easier. Even just easier. do what you're doing. We're going to take care of it. We're going to actually give you dollars to spend in that store, and then you go pick whatever you want. Right? Like that's oh, the, that's how it works. So we give you a, a voucher, or essentially a gift card, right? And these are people who are already working with Squad Locker. That's how great it is. So everybody, go go do it. You know, have an Instagram. We send you it. You have a voucher. I might feel great one day and say, it's a $500 voucher. I might not tell you. And you talk to your person, they go, hey, it's a $700 voucher. They might say, hey, today's a free waterproof jacket. It's a free hoodie. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be nuts. I want to know. Every day. I like it. I'm doing Saturday, Sunday. Well, okay. I don't work. I don't work. <laughs> <your kids. laughs> but uh, I, yeah. I, I like it. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's, something we can, today. it's something we can have fun with every day and we can interact mm-hmm. with these these schools, these teams, um, these organizations, these businesses, whatever, mm-hmm. and let's just get after it. So we're going to give a whole bunch of stuff away for free. Oh, yeah. And if you have that that uh, athletic mentality, if it's free, it's for me. So I would mm-hmm. be all over. I don't care if it's ten dollars. I'm going to mm-hmm. use the ten dollars that I have. I don't think it would be ten dollars. No, I'm never going to do ten dollars for you guys. It's going to be but, good. But if it's good fifty stuff. or a hundred, you know, tips not having a very good day. Yeah, buy a polo. You know, get a jacket, whatever it is. That's what it's going to be. Get ready because we're going to tag you in stories. If you're not following us, follow past our Prime show because that's how you're going to see the stories, obviously. But we're going to be tagging away, Max. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I'm going to be just sending you stuff all the time. <laughs> Are you ready for that? <laughs> like, I'm going to annoy you, your phone. Your phone's going to be blown up more than it's blown up right now. More than usual. With Team Early AF on the Peloton. Uh, I'm riding hard. You know what? I wrote every day. I wrote every day the last No, you did a bar eight class, days. too. That doesn't count. I did a bar class. I thought a bar class was a bar on the wall. It's not the you place like, you drink. It was like ballet. Or, or yeah, or exactly. Or where you get beers. Um, it was this crazy leg exercise, Dan. 
where I was laying on the ground on my side and like lifting up my leg and then going to the other side and lifting up my leg. And the first move was like the clamshell. I prefer to call the clamshell the nutcracker <laughs> because I immediately like was like, oh, okay, we got to do that crush. And that was the end of my night. Oh, God. I just, I, actually, I was done. I actually want, I mean, you you actually got down on the office floor earlier and did it, and I almost puked. It was, it was not a fun thing. I I'd take a But picture. I will tell you, my the sides of my rump rumpus <laughs> were very strong after that, and they were sore this morning, and it was a 10-minute thing. So I might mix it in. So do you want to go into Team Early AF? Because I, I actually, I think we should get back into, like, maybe some weights, too. Oh, well, I do I th- weights. I th- well, I don't think you do. I just do I, biceps. I, I think the arm. <laughs> I, by the way, I did a ride with the vest on the other day, too. I saw that post. That sucked. I bet. Remember when we used to do that? Yeah, I don't. I, I, I want to challenge you right now. Okay, what's the challenge? Oh, boy, Max. Do we do a challenge live? Because yeah, I might it. just say I want to get a tattoo. And I'll lose purpose. I'll get a ready. tattoo. Let's go for a tattoo. Oh, my gosh. Can we and it's not. And it's, and it's not going to be... It can't be the other one picks what it is. <laughs> it's just you need to get it. I'm too old. I'm too mature. Maybe <laughs> like, fi- maybe yeah. five years ago. Mickey I mean, Mouse yeah, ears. Sweet. Whatever Mickey Mouse ears on your neck. <laughs> get it on my rumpus. Rumpus. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, if you we'll want to go, if you want to go for a tattoo, that's fine. Well, I'm doing me. an eight week challenge. Um, that's I got. I don't know. I'm into another eight week. I'm into another challenge, but I think it's just about dropping some. You know, eating better. We'll say eating better and then, you know, continuing my workout pace. Um, it does include before and after photos. So I'm debating. Never. Absolutely <laughs> never. Never. Well, do I, I go do? with a five inch inseam short for the befores? Go three. And I, then, would, I would put I would put the guy that wears the uh, European style bathing suit. Ooh, the banana hammock. Whatever <laughs> you want to call it. Like that guy that walks down the beach with that. Oh wow! I mean, the, remember the Borat one with over the shoulders? What's five? What five minutes? What he's giving us five I minutes? He Our said clock stop. Broke. So right. I was giving you the five minute sign. So I like that. Oh, That's okay. good. Yeah, right. five minutes. Look at inside the inside super, the inner super, workings. Super producer. Um, we did used to have a clock, but I just saw Max smashing it on the floor <laughs> out there. Um, so what was I saying before and after I have no photos? Idea what before photos, uh, I am debating if I do like the push the push the gut out heavy, you know, like, and then like really like, I can't even, I can't even believe you're debating on doing it. Eating like, you know, there's no chance, no chance. I would take a before picture. Well, I'd love to see unless it's, unless it's, unless I'm in the hospital for something (laughs) like, like, like like life threatening, like you have to do a before picture. I'd do it. I just want to see what the after looks like. Cause that's the, that's the goal, Dan. It's the journey, not the destination. Fair enough. Is that the, the, the quote, yeah. Max? I nailed that. Yeah, journey, it's not, not it's, the destination. It's not about. It's not about yeah. the destination. It's about the journey. Okay. Wow. I like that, that. I mean, that was deep. Yeah. Well, I said the same thing. You just switched the words around. I said it better. Okay. <laughs> um, McGregor fight broke his leg. Crazy. I, I mean, didn't watch it. I like Poirier anyway. I. By the way, really strange. I loved uh, McGregor for a long time. He. Gets a little yappy for me lately, and he's talking too much about winning, and he hasn't really won. Poirier just kind of—I mean, he won by did he, TKO. I saw, I, I saw, I saw the um, the highlight or whatever. He mm-hmm. walked away after 
the TKO or whatever. It's like I broke his leg. Did he actually break his leg or did McGregor fall or slip in a way I don't where under, that was how it broke it? This is what I don't understand like I get, about hey, MMA. It, like I've never hey, been broken kicked. leg, broken leg. <laughs> you know, you're you're done with the fight. Have I you ever it. kicked somebody so hard that your leg breaks? Or no. you're like, like, I don't know. I have no idea. So no, I've I've bent in half. So yeah, bad that my leg is broken. We both have been hurt pretty bad. That's why I'm excited to talk to the doctor. Yeah, I know that he's a head doctor, but <laughs> oh, wait. um because that's that's you're coming out you're coming that's traumatized. I can't believe you had a psychologist yeah. after your surgery. Oh yeah, I can't wait to talk to him about that because I, I wonder if he knows the guy. I, I don't even know the guy's name. I remember I was miserable during those, but because I you, felt like I lay, had to do did it. You lay on a couch. Oh yeah. Did you really? Oh yeah. <laughs> to walk in. Like, well, you sit this is like how in a chair. Goes. You sit like in a. It was in like a like a chair. You know, you lean back, and then it's like, how how's you know uh, rehabilitation going? Like, how do you feel? Like, you know, do you still feel like you can you can do it? I'm like, yeah. I mean, my arm really hurts. I'm tip. <laughs> yeah, of course I can. But my head. I mean, I think my head feels fine. Uh, Fast forward fifteen to fifteen years. <laughs> fifteen months later, I'm retiring. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, was no, thing, Doc. It's probably twenty-five. Hey, yeah, close. Great work with the session, Doc. Yeah, thank Good you job. so much, Doc. Appreciate it. <laughs> so, um, I am excited. I did see Poirier's quote. He said, um, "We will fight again for sure, either in the ring or on the sidewalk." He wants a piece of McGregor, and and McGregor then came back like, "You didn't beat anybody. Like I broke my leg. I still feel like that's beating somebody." But that's two to one, right? It was the third yeah. match. Yeah, yeah. Poirier won. Okay. So and I, if they fight a fourth time, they're make a billion dollars again. I know it's crazy. Like so good I mean, for him. You I talk about right. McGregor like talking and all that. Obviously, that sport. Yeah, um, it's bigger than boxing right now because yeah, but boxing and then sucks. it's the promotion. I get it. It's that, a promotion. A lot yeah, of it. You want to fight? I yeah. mean, how much do you think of that is real on McGregor? I think it's. I think they're both real on this one, and I think I my big thing too on this is like. I think if if we don't hear from McGregor for a while and he comes back ready to fight and he shuts his mouth, then watch out. God, dude, you know what? <laughs> the celebrity, celebrity death matches. We should. I mean, we should do a celebrity MMA, and we should have DeChambeau and Kepka. Oh, I'd love to do that. I'd like Come to. On, should, I'd not? actually like to get in the ring with you. Mix it up. Oh, next challenge. There's a boxing place right down the road. I know it takes. They, you have to train for a while before they let you spar. Maybe we'll just. I want to see we'll come in here and spar. Keith's got to take you as a as a training mate, and then Brian's got to take you. Oh, the squad locker guys that do the MMA stuff. Oh, they do it. Yeah, I, I don't want to do MMA. I don't either. I just want to punch. I do not want to. I don't. I don't want to get down on the ground and grapple. You know what we should do? Get those huge big gloves, <laughs> like cotton swabs, <laughs> or put us both in those big sumo suits. <laughs> the sumo. Yeah. That would be fun. That would be a fun match. Maybe we'll do that, Max. You got to figure those out. Um, okay, so. British Open coming up. I don't know anything else you want to talk about. Here, uh, here's who's going to win? Just here, real quick. I, I have no idea. But I. But who I are do, you taking? Roy. Um, Roy played like shit last weekend. Yeah, he didn't well, even make the cut. I'm taking my guy, Kepka. Okay. You take Rory. Do, one question. Yeah. Before we get to Doctor Chapman, because he is coming. He's coming up. up. He's coming up right now. Um, what about? Would you prefer watching the golf, British Open style, in mm-hmm. the morning? Mm-hmm. Or like oh, U.S. Night. Open, Tory Pines type thing, until like nine ten o'clock at night. I kind of like the nine ten o'clock because then I, can, especially Friday Saturday, because you can kind of sit out there and have some beer Sunday night too, right? Yeah. But I do like waking up to have something to watch. It's like the whole West Coast but, football but thing. Football's different because you wake up, but then you can watch it till nine o'clock at night. Yeah. You get the yeah. whole day of 
of fun activities. And hey, if you want to wake up, at I 10 go o'clock nighttime. And start nighttime watching. Go for it. Nighttime but you know watching. you, but you know have, you know you have football all day. Nighttime watching. So it's either hey, you wake up at eight and it's going on and it's done by what what two o'clock somewhere around there. Yeah, nighttime watching for me. I, okay, I wanted. I just wanted mm-hmm. to disagree with you, but okay. <laughs> Okay. Bullshit. I'm going to take the morning. <laughs> okay, great. You take the morning. Um, be ready, people. We're going to be tagging you up. And then here's Dr. Chapman. All right, we got uh, Dr. Kevin Chapman on right now, who is uh, clinical licensed. He, he's able to do it um, in this country. That's important. It is yep. important. I would like a license. Uh, clinical psychologist and founder and director of the Kentucky Center for Anxiety and Related Disorders. And I, I mentioned this early on, and my first question was, your description is where you specialize in assessment and treatment of anxiety and related disorders, as well as the implementation of cognitive <laughs> behavioral therapy. Doc, what is that? Hang on, you, first, you, round of applause. I got, it, I got it through. Dan got through that, which is remarkable. That was a lot of words that he <laughs> tell, doesn't usually have to say. That is, yeah, I, so. don't, I, don't, I don't talk like that a lot. No. What, no. Tell us what that means. Yeah. So what that means, first of all, I'm glad to be on. I appreciate it. And uh, I think when we talk about cognitive behavioral therapy, I mean, quite simply, your emotional experiences have has three parts. You got thoughts, you have physical feelings in your body and you have behaviors and cognitive behavioral therapy is just based on the idea that, you know, when I can teach somebody the relationship between those three parts, how my thoughts influence how I feel and which how I feel influences how I behave. And all those influence each other. Like if I think certain things, I'm going to act a certain way. If I act a certain way, it's going to change how I think and so on and so forth. Then that's the key to understanding how to navigate situations that trigger emotions. So cognitive behavior therapy or CBT, as we like to call it, really is a method and a methodology, a treatment, if you will, to help you navigate emotional experiences and basically the situations where they happen. And that could be the locker room. That could be on the field. That could be on the pitch. That could be in a meeting. It could be with friends or family. It could be in any situation. So you are not specifically sports uh, directive, right? I mean, this is this is a whole medical field. Um, mm-hmm. And you have worked with the University of Louisville as a sports mm-hmm. performance uh, consultant. Uh, you work with the soccer team down there, I think, uh, yep. currently uh, right. on sports performance as well. Uh, how did you get into this? I mean, you 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 ran track in college at Center right. College. Yep. You played football. You were a two sport athlete at Center oh, College yep. while pre med. No, actually, it's psychology, right? So, you know, just that distinction between psychiatry—that's med school. So, you know, prescribing medication okay. for mental health and things like that. And for me, being a clinical psychologist, that's more the graduate school route, like teaching people how to, you know, navigate strong emotions through psychotherapy and things like that. So to that point, um, you know, I kind of have two areas, right? So I have the clinical piece where I treat people who have anxiety and related disorders, right? Panic attacks, OCD, social anxiety, you know, stuff like that. But I also have the sports performance background, like you said, being a two-sport athlete in college. You know, I've worked with athletes since, you know, my graduate school training because it takes one to know one, you know what I'm saying? So because of that, you know, being credible, looking credible, all those sort of things, I start working with the University of Louisville. And that kind of skyrocketed to working with individual athletes, Olympic athletes, professional athletes, helping them navigate mental skills, right? Like teaching them how to navigate emotions, right? Because we all know that that's real <laughs> when you're an athlete as well. So I basically yeah. have clinical clients and I have sports clients. This is, I mean, this is like the perfect conversation right now. Because like for a long time with myself, and I told Dan this, um, my background, I had, I had Tommy John, right? So I had a Tommy John injury with the Astros. 
you know, big prospect when that happened. And then yep. immediately, like, w started to go into rehab for my body, right? But another piece of it at the same time was they had me speak, speak to a sports psychologist, I think for like 10 or 12 weeks during that time to mm -hmm. really kind of be like, hey, how are you? We, yeah, we understand that, you know, you can move your arm 45 degrees now, but what are you thinking about right now, right? And yeah. and that was pretty early for that. That was 2007 <clears throat> when I, I got hurt. Honestly, I don't think anybody's asked, how am I? <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> well, that, I'm just saying. That's Dan's, you know, Dan, this, you know, for the Patriots, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a different thing. It's kind of a thing, different but, mindset. And now the world's much different. You see lots of people now that they're that's part of their team. Like in yep. terms of like a golfer, like a sports psychologist, that's part of their team. Like that's somebody that travels with them and does it. For for me, when I was on that chair or you know or sitting with that 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 doctor going through it, at that time I was like, what are we doing here? Like I don't get this. Yep. I get it now more than anything because now I'm in business. I'm managing a lot of people. I've like been suffering with some anxiety lately for the first time ever, and I'm like, holy shit! I should have taken a, I should have, I should have grabbed, grasped onto that better at that time because I really could have gone deep, you know, and figured out some things probably. When more it was like, okay, this is class, you know, I'm in here for 45 minutes and like, okay, am I done? Like, let's get back to throwing again. Right. I think it should have been the other way around. It should have been more. I should have been paying to the brain, paying attention to the noggin a little bit. To the more. big brain, yeah. right? Does that yeah, sound accurate? Straight, straight up, because ultimately, I think you guys know being at the level y'all played at, I mean, at the end of the day, mental skills at that level literally outweigh physical skills because you're competing against dudes and stuff on a regular basis who literally have the same skill set, give or take, right? Like a faster pitcher or a faster, you know, curveball or whatever mm -hmm. it might be, or I can run the 40 faster than you, perhaps. But besides that, though, when we're talking about mental skills, we're saying, how can I navigate anxiety? How can I navigate anger? How can I rein all that in in order for me to not have mental blocks when I can perform at my highest level? Because we know how it goes, right? It's like mm -hmm. you kill it at practice, but those same dudes who are killing it at practice or are recovering from an injury, they might struggle getting back to the form they were in, and it's all mental. It has nothing to do at that point with the physical aspect. It's all about what they're saying to themselves, and many times athletes aren't even aware of what that is. Mm -hmm. So my excuse of not being able to throw the same after is gone. Because it, it was probably the probably the head. <laughs> well, no, you worked on the you worked on. Yeah, your I head. worked on the head. So a little it, bit, it was, we could have worked I, I on. I think more. I think it was physical for you. It, uh, it was, phys well, it was, it was physical and mental. Oh, okay. We'll call it physical and mental. But um, what well, you mentioned, you, you know, in that piece there, that's real. That's facts. Yep. I think ten years ago, people didn't know that those were real facts. Right. Does that feel right? Like what changed? Definitely in the last what, couple years. Yeah, what people changed? Get it. Man, that's a great question. Like, Tip and Dan, here's the deal. Like, I think 10 years ago, you know, it was less talked about. Like, Dan talked about with football culture, right? It's like you compartmentalize those emotions. You go out there and blow somebody up, right? Yep. So, like, in many ways, like, you know, part of it is just, like, in some sense, like, it's the masculinity we're taught in certain sports. But at the same time, it's like you just go out there and do what you got to do and don't think about it. I think what's happened over the last 10 years, though, is that more athletes, especially professional athletes, have said, you know what? I have panic attacks you know what, like, I'm really freaking depressed right now. Or you know mm -hmm. what, I struggle giving interviews and I have social anxiety. And I think because of the platform many athletes have, you know, it's becoming much more acceptable to say I'm not okay, right? And I need somebody to help me give that boost, not only on the field, but also navigating my own family when I'm off the field, right? Like managing my money when I'm off the field, like stuff like that. So I think that there's been more voices that people trust that are credible athletes that make people who literally wouldn't be you know, saying much about anything or being silent because of stigma, 
I think that stigma has decreased a whole lot because credible people have been coming out saying that I've had symptoms of anxiety and I'm depressed. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think the I think that's important that people are coming out and and talking about it, and and it is becoming more acceptable. Do you think that's like a generational thing where these guys are involved with sports psychologists from the get go? Where like my attitude, and I've talked about this before. I've talked about it with my wife. I have this unbelievable way of just. Uh, forgetting things very quickly and moving on. Right. You know, I, I, that's, that's my mentality. Like, okay, something bad happened. I'm going to forget about it and move it on. As you said, compartmentalize it mm-hmm. and just, yep. Hey, here's what I need to focus on now because I didn't talk to doctors like that. You right. know, if I talked to a doctor, it was a physical issue. My family yep. didn't talk about that when I grew up. Not that yep. it was wrong or bad. I had a great upbringing. I think you're in the 99th percentile on that though. I don't think many people did. Right? No, I don't I, think. No, that, I agree. So, I so, but now, yeah. like, is it just this generation is different, and they learn different, and they communicate differently? Yep, I think that's absolutely a great point, Dan. I think yes, I think that it is generational. So, I think that it, it is that they learn different, they communicate differently. I mean, come on, y'all, social media, yeah. like <laughs> people put stuff out on social media, and that includes things like anxiety, depression hashtags, and things like that. And you're seeing that in the sports world. So generationally speaking, people have more access to see that other people have emotions and they're talking about it. And I think the other piece that you said, Dan, that's so important is this idea that I think many, any athlete we know, let's be real, wants an advantage and an edge. So I think the sports culture has changed in that regard. And it's like, yo, you're telling me that I can enhance my mental skills and that's going to help me blow somebody up or that's going to mm-hmm. help me like be able to shoot free throws without actually shooting physically. If I'm doing like mental imagery, sign me up. Right. Yeah, so doc, doc, can... I don't think anybody can shoot free throws anymore. Let's that, I mean, that, that, that yeah, point, that's, at that point, I, that's ridiculous doc. Yeah, Everything exactly. else I agree with, but I haven't seen anybody make a free throw. Lately. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But there's, there's so many things that are different now, right? With like the way that athletes are now compared to where they are in the past, where they were in the past. I wonder now, you take an old athlete, you take old athlete, you take um, Joe Montana, right? Put him around like these advances, right? And hey, how do you cope with this? Because I always think, think about all the times that like your favorite player might've had a bad game, right? And like, for me, it was Nolan Ryan, Roger Clemens. I get to play with them, which is great. But then you, when you think about their bad game, you're like, geez, he just... His elbow must have been hurting him today. He might have just had a bad night's sleep. He might have just had something on his mind. He might have been dealing with anxiety. It's like it's almost like you don't want to be mad at people for not performing as much anymore, right? right? Because yeah. you don't know what they're really going through. Uh, because we've looked at them as just high performing, you know, whatever whatever they are. Do you yep. think an older athlete? I mean, I, I know the answer is probably yes, but like, who could you take and then help recreate as like, wow, this person was a hothead. They could have been amazing if we just could have gotten to their brain a little bit and made them relax or made them something, right? Are there any <laughs> that stick out in your brain? Man, that is so funny, man. Like, I love the vibe of the show, right? Because, like, that's a great question. And, you know, of course, that's an impromptu question, but y'all going to love this response because I literally just, just I just pulled it from the sky. I know y'all remember Brian Bosworth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? So I'm thinking, like, him. That's a yeah. great example of somebody that's like, yo, like, had he had mental skills training, he could have been a monster, right? right? Yep. So that's somebody that comes to my mind, like, immediately as somebody like that. Just because you could see that it wasn't physical ability at that point. It's like, we've seen all the clips of athletes like that. 
when like Bo Jackson or somebody just like absolutely just boom, just like runs through him. And it's <laughs> like everything changed after that. Yeah. Am I wrong? No, no, you're absolutely. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, I think Bo Jackson still runs through him, but his career would have been much better off. Right. And you know, right. I'm thinking um, of uh, Brad Lidge for the Astros when Albert Pujols hit a ball that hasn't yep. landed yet. It's in orbit. And Brad Lidge was in trouble for years after that. Like, could not get out of it. Just thought about I – don't, I don't know if he thought about it, but it ruined his career for a while. He resurrected it with the Phillies. And, yeah. one, you know, maybe he started to talk to some people, right? Like, maybe he started to get out. But that was – he was a ultimate closer before that. And that moment, that one moment, that one pitch, that if it moves a fraction of an inch left or right, right, it's a ground ball or a pop-up, it, yeah. it ruined him for a while. You know, yep. so I, I, that's that was the example that I was thinking. It's like, to, could you? I'm trying. Could I'm you trying talk to, to that now, person? But I think, Are you thinking uh, of an? an no, name? I, I that's was trying to. Name. I was trying yeah. to think, but Bosworth. I mean, I don't think. Ooh, any, Bosworth, I don't. Right? I don't think anybody can top that one. That that oh. that was awesome. What was the uh, Mandridge too? Mandrid from uh, Mandridge. Tony Mandridge. What about him? Oh, he was just, he was the Roy boy. He was the Roy boy. Yeah. First pick. Uh, for the Packers, mm-hmm. didn't plan yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. He was he was probably a mental case as well, uh, yeah. but it, it, he did take a lot of steroids in yeah. college, so he couldn't do that in the NFL. That probably I've got another had one. some contribution. Go I've ahead, got another. Hey, one. Go so ahead. hey, this is know, Doc's time, but yeah. you go ahead. No, I'm just gonna go because the Doc's <laughs> gonna like this. So um, we're big. Well, Dan's like best friends with Brady, and I just love Tom Brady. So we're big Brady <laughs> podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but then you think I was thinking right in my head, Brady Six. Remember the remember the documentary, the Brady Six, Smith? the the quarterbacks, the quarterbacks. Smith? The quarterbacks it was Achilles Smith. Yeah, there were oh, six yeah, quarterbacks yeah. drafted before him, right? But there was one yeah. guy. Remember the guy that started a goat farm? Remember he was Who like started a goat farm. Yeah, it was a, a quarterback that got drafted by the 49ers, like in the second round, and like he played. He just played in the in like you know whatever it was. He just played in training camp. Never ended up resulting in anything and it was like i'm still stuck on the goat farm then he started a goat farm (laughs) and it's like you're wondering where do these um i guess what i'm leading to is the draft process in -hmm. football the baseball drafts going on today actually the the rounds two through ten um that's a big piece now bigger than it was i'm sure when you got drafted and definitely when i like so i was a few years after you i got drafted in 05 Mm -hmm. when were you uh 03 03 okay so we're pretty close actually but I took psychology tests all the time for that. Yep. Like, so teams yep. would send you the things, you do the stuff, you'd fill it out, you'd send it back, and I don't know, I don't know what they did with it, but it was like if you're at a stoplight, are you going right or left? That type of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, Doc, what's that one? It's like 300 questions. We did it during the combine. I want to say the Giants made people Kaiser? do it. No, not Kaiser. What? Yeah, it's like, about the Wonderlick. The Wonderlick. The there you go. Thank you. Yeah, yep. that, that's, yeah that's one a, of them. But then Giants had like a separate one that was like an hour long and 300 questions. It was. I get it. I, I didn't understand what it was. I still don't yeah. understand what it was. What are they measuring there? That's what. Yeah, that's it. That's a great question. I mean, really, at the end of the day, they're trying to find a quick and dirty way to look at patterns. You know what I'm saying? So, like, what are tendencies and traits that this athlete engages in that might be problematic, right? So, if you score a high or low in various ranges on certain, um, you know, emotional measures and things like that, then it's like, should we take a risk on this guy? Is this somebody that I should avoid because they keep consistently saying? that I'm impulsive, right? Like impulsivity is a big attribute that, you know, may or may not be good. It depends on the sport and it depends on what kind of impulsivity we're talking about. But ultimately that's the kind of trait that many people would stay away from, or, you know, how would you respond in a decision-making task? Like they're, so they're looking for patterns more than anything. So some of that's contextual, like based on the situation, 
But many times they're looking for consistent patterns. And if those consistent patterns are scary, then, you know, they might say, nah, we're going to take a pass on this one because it's just like too much of a risk for us to invest in him. Who writes that test too? Him. Yeah, somebody like you yeah. writes that test and goes and then, yeah, and then assesses it and goes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, essentially right. Like, so psychologists really are the ones who are behind any kind of what we call a psychometric test, right? Anything that's going to assess anything that's related to personality, IQ, emotional stability, like all of those sort of things are created by psychologists. Right, I want to get I want to get into this real one? quick. Well, I, I I do have one. Thanks, okay. Kev. All right. Um, what what are the main as you found in working with athletes at different stages, different ages? Uh, uh-huh. Yep. What do you think the main, main, main tributes or what things that contribute to anxiety? Like in the beginning when you don't have a family and is it more based off of my level of performance isn't up to par? That's what's contributed to it. And then obviously when you get a family, holy shit, you know, a bunch oh, of other things come in. It could be a fight with the wife the night before. It could be the kids going off the night before. And I've always been told this by my uh, offensive line coach. Hey, you can have a bad day during the week. Yeah. And obviously different, you know, different sports mm-hmm. play different times, but you can't have a bad day on Sunday. Exactly. What, what do you think the main things are throughout, you know, these athletes careers? Dan, I'm just glad I can co-sign you, man, because at the end of the day, you nailed it. Like I tell athletes this all the time. And I mean, I'm talking all the way down from like 10 year old club level, like national champion type athletes, all the way to the pros that I've worked with, you know, ultimately they all struggle primarily with what you said. And that's anxiety about performance. I don't want to get pulled, right? Or if it's at the professional level, it's like, I don't want to like not get this contract. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's I'm anxious because if my performance is consistently meh, then the coach is going to pull me out of the game. I'm not going to be able to play. That could lead to, depending on the level of the athlete, you know, getting cut. It could lead to sitting the bench. It could lead to my parents being salty at me if you're a club level or a kid, right? So it's literally all based on my anxiety about I'm not performing as well as I can. And therefore I'm anxious about what the future may hold because anxiety to back up for a second is a future oriented emotion, right? Anxiety is about thoughts of uncontrollability and unpredictability of future events. So it's always like, what if I don't perform to my caliber? What if coach pulls me? What if I get cut? Right. And so that drives that arousal in my body. And as y'all know, if I'm too anxious, that's going to inhibit my performance. Right. So Mm -hmm. y'all know that, you know, my football coach in high school used to always tell us I play running back and he used to say, if you ain't hype, something ain't right. So at the end of the day, there's a level of anxiety that you need. Yeah. But when the butterflies, you need the butterflies going a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yep. Facts, you do. But if it's too high, right, yeah. it's going to have the reverse effect and inhibit my performance. And that's literally, Dan, what, you know, what you ask is like money, because that's literally what happens. It's anxiety about being cool, a.k.a. my performance. Well, hey, I mean, that goes right, what a big, what goes, a, goes right into the family thing as well. Tip, tip struggles with performance anxiety as well, just just so you know. Oh, yeah. Just, I mean, I mean, that's always at the top. No question. <laughs> top of the list all the time. I haven't, won it, I haven't won something against Dan yet, which is trouble. So he might <laughs> well, need to, like, You're talking about one. that performance. Yeah, that uh, performance. I was talking about the other one. Uh, the, um, <laughs> yeah. Our parents – are parents failing our kids right now with the amount of, hey, let's 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 specialize in this sport. I'm going to put this yeah. much pressure on you. I'm going to give you this much personal coaching where if you don't succeed, it's your fault. 
And then, right. by the way, let's talk about the parents around the ice rink or around the baseball field or the football yeah. field, and that are like going after refs and mm-hmm. not realizing that it's it's, it's a goddamn twelve year old game. Yeah. Relax, people. There's no scouts in the stands here. These kids don't need this pressure. Why is why are we doing that to our kids now? You know, that's a great question, Dan. There's two points that you made that I'll address. One, the first thing is that I don't think it's so much that parents are failing their kids. I think that the problem, and this is the, the good news, is that I think most parents I've encountered, and I encounter a ton, and I talk a lot about this with True Sport, which I consult for um, with the USA Anti-Doping Agency. True Sport's a part of that. And we talk about this sort of stuff with how can parents support their young athlete, right? So ironically, we talk a lot about this point, which is – Parents don't necessarily, many, there's some that do, obviously, don't intentionally pressure their kids, but by virtue of them being concerned about their performance, making sure they're out there, making sure they're on time, like young athletes are naturally going to perceive themselves as being pressured by their parents by default. So I think part of it is the fact that my parents at the game, right? So in many ways, I have most of my young athletes They struggle just because they are concerned about what their parents think about them, period. Mm -hmm. Even if they're the most comfortable parent to be around. Now, there are other parents, on the other hand, who are pressuring and so on and so forth. It's like, oh, you got to go see the scout. You got to make sure, like Clemson's looking at you. You got to make sure the da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So, of course, not only am I feeling pressured by my family of origin, I'm also feeling pressure from my coaches and everybody around me and my teammates. So you talk about anxiety, it's crazy. So, ultimately, I'd say that, you know, I think part of it is teaching parents how to interact with their athletes better and letting them know that they're modeling the stress for their kid, whether they like it or not. Mm-hmm. So that's the first point. The second piece, like what you talked about with rage and like hothead parents and things like that. Here's a term I'll give you. We talk quite a bit about parents being emotionally dysregulated. And what I mean by that is they're experiencing things like anxiety and anger way too much for the given situation. And many parents, as y'all know, are trying to live vicariously through their kid, right? Like, oh, I blew my knee out, so therefore mm-hmm. my boy's got to perform, right? Yeah, or I, I should have made it. Been. I should have made it. He's going to make it. Exactly. I should have, right? If I hadn't, if I didn't mess my ankle up, I dot dot dot, right? So you have a lot of parents who are pushing the heck out of their kid on the field, and the kid is absolutely feeling the pressure. Mm-hmm. So with, I have one for you. <laughs> With all that you know now, yep. I mean you're you're right on the money, obviously, because this is awesome. Like I'm, 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 I'm learning I, I, a lot I'm right not now. Even jo- I have like a thousand things I can. I know, talk like we about. could go for a long time because you're fun oh, too. Man. Oh, it's fun. I so, like with all that you know now, and then you yeah. were you you still are an athlete, but when you were an athlete before you knew this stuff, yep. what would you change about your own self? Right. So if you knew the stuff you know now, and you were in high school did or you, in college, did you have anxiety? Yeah, or, and, or like what things would you yeah. – I mean, everybody had the butterflies like he's talking well, about, right? No, but no, like no. What? I, the butterflies are good. Right? Yeah. He's right. It's, right. There's yeah, an yeah. overhype or there's that, 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 that external pressure on somebody right. that doesn't need to be there. Or it could be internal pressure that you just feel it. But yeah. did you have anxiety? Yeah, yeah. and because the armchair quarterback and the Sunday morning quarterback, right, that's easy. So now with, with you looking back Mon- – Monday morning quarterback? What? Armchair quarterback? Monday. Monday. But you called it Sunday morning quarterback. <laughs> Sunday yeah. morning quarterback. Well, well, well I was thinking college. Game. I was thinking uh, college. Fair enough. Yeah, okay. All right. So what would you, what would you have changed for that? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and, you know, to, to Dan's point, yeah, you know, I, w- I was definitely able to manage anxiety and, you know, for football and track, they're different, right? Because in many ways, you know, as a football player, like you need that 
to to have the edge to have that arousal in your body so that you can blow past somebody and make them look bad and break ankles at the same time right and look back at them but in track it's more so like i had to regulate emotions i said so looking back i think the main thing for me would have been preparing in advance mentally before i even step foot on the field or even in the locker room and i think Mm -hmm. that that's huge because most athletes always want you to help them when stuff like hits the fan you know what i'm saying it's like yo i'm struggling and like what do i need to do because i have to play in two days like you get those calls all the time Mm -hmm. and i think tip honestly it's more preventative i would have prepared in advance at the breakfast table bro like literally like all right what are my affirmations going to be before i even leave today what am i going to focus on oh i know my process what is something i'm going to say to myself to pay attention to you know, literally right before like the first play, like when we break the huddle, like things like that, mm-hmm. I think are huge because what we know with athletes, high performing athletes is that we talk to ourselves often without awareness. And the thing is, is the successful athletes, they pick out in advance what they're going to do. Right. It's not something I'm going to just pull from the sky randomly. I mean, a lot of obviously right tip and, and Dan is muscle memory. We know that, but mm-hmm. I'm saying mentally I would have prepared myself better before stepping on the field or the track and everybody's preparation is entirely different right i mean for it could be from what you're you're eating to like for me sometimes in the morning like and i never did this when i was playing but i i was very um like i followed the same process like so the three hours before i made a start and it could have gone back to seven hours right I mean, I was dialed in. I had it written down in a journal where it was like at 635, I'm taking my last piss before I go out there to do like, you know, whatever, like dialed in. Right. So, but I, but now like in the business world, right. And when I get into it, I don't have to go stretch to go like give a sales meeting. Right. But a lot of things that I'll do are, are even just breathing where like my favorite one and Dan and I both you know, pretty heavy into like Peloton and, yeah, yeah. and as the listeners are like laughing because we talk about it every episode. But one thing they teach on there, it's the only, that, thing, it's the only thing that we do. Yeah, it's pretty much all golf. That one thing they teach that has helped me a ton. I don't know if this is a skill. I mean, I'm assuming it's a skill and it's like an animal instinct is you take a deep breath and you leave it at yep. the top and then you take a further breath from there. Yep. When I do that on the bike, my heart rate, I could be in the middle of a, you know, a heavy climb and being yeah. like 175. I do that. It goes down to 168. I yep. do it again. It goes down to once it's, I could be in the middle of it. So yep. I started doing that actually, you know, when, in presentations and everything I immediately yep. drops my heart rate down. So I don't know it's if that's, I, and I don't know what that's called, but I just call it two breaths. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's is, money, there, is there a term for it? Not well, yeah. there's different terms for it. That's the thing. It's like, it's one of those all roads lead to Rome. Mm-hmm. You know, people call it box breathing. People call it five, six breathing. People call it slow control breathing. The bottom line is that you're doing diaphragmatic breathing from your diaphragm. And, and now to your point, that's literally like money right there. Like I call that anchoring. So mm-hmm. it's like, I'm anchoring myself in that moment. And like, if you're doing something that involves emotions, not I only I add another component to that. And I tell my athletes this all the time. So once I've done that breathing, I do what's called a three point check before I go into those situations, like what am I, so basically a three point check is what am I thinking right now? What am I feeling right now? What am I doing or feel like doing right now? I'm checking in with my emotion before I go into that situation. And when I do that, that gets me prepared to navigate whatever might come and to respond based on the practice that I've already had. So if I do that and get consistent with that, my brain learns to prepare me in advance for, and it could be for sports or it could be for a business meeting. I'm going to go in there and kill it if I'm anchored in the present moment by breathing the way you said, mm-hmm. and then checking in with my emotional experience. 
Anchored. I, I like love, anchored. I love this. Yeah, anchored. anchored. I, 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 Are you feeling better about yourself? I, I, you, uh, well, you already guy, felt guy's, pretty good. Guy's talking to me. Yeah, he's. You're speaking to me <laughs> too right I, now. I, I, like, I'm ready to get. Is there a couch behind you? There's a couch behind you. There wasn't a lot of motion, emotional talk or communication right. and all that stuff so it, it, it's very interesting um to hear it i'm gonna try and and do that anchor myself and live in the present and, and kind of enjoy what's going on mm-hmm. around me more than all right what do i what do i have to do next everybody seems right. to be in a rush so mm-hmm. let, let's just get the most out of what i have right now and then we'll move on to the thing um covid doc mm. what I, I saw the acronym that you have fight um, and yep. I'd love for you to explain that uh, to our listeners, to the primers, as Tip calls them. Um, the effect that can we see what the effect is already, or is that going to be for years to come of what this uh, what this has done? Yeah, it's interesting because you know I, I would opt more for the latter. In other words, I think that we're going to have to. It's kind of a an audible at the line of scrimmage, Tip or Dan. It's more like like I'm going to have to wait and see what's going on to see like what the long-term effect of this is going to be. Because I think in the short term, we found that, you know, a lot of athletes, one thing that has tipped people over the edge is this idea that COVID has took taken people who have been like, you know, subclinical with their anxiety or kind of anxious or kind of sad or kind of angry and tipped them over to be like super anxious, super angry, super frustrated. Mm -hmm. So that's one effect we've seen is that a lot more people are struggling with a lot more emotions, right? So that's one effect. I think the other effect, though, is really in many ways that it's had a pretty good effect on athletes in the sense that they are like, I'm hungry. Let's go. Like, I've missed out on a whole lot, and I'm ready to, like, hit the ground running. So, honestly, I've seen an improvement in the amount of athletes who are um, not only willing to go out there, but also people who were not previously doing things like exercise or sports-related activity. More people are doing that now because right. they have more freedom to do that. But So that's the good news. I think the bad news is that more people struggle with emotions as a result of COVID? Uh, you, the first part of that, you were looking directly into my soul because, <laughs> because that's you know, like for for me, never really, you know, obviously, probably experiencing anxiety, but never really admitting it or knowing about it or depression. Right. Or I always thought I was like, I'm not sad. What do you mean? It's it's not really being sad. I, I never knew what that was. So when I went to the doctor for my physical, I was like, I'm kind of feeling off, like. Can you check my heart? Can you check my lungs? Can you check my kidney? Like, can you check everything? But I yeah. never said check my head. I, right? just, I just got and crushed I, in a Miles Challenge. I'm yeah, oh, yeah. Down. That's not why I, why I felt worse before that. You're lucky because now we'll do it again. Now I feel great. Oh, great. So uh, for that, for me, he was like, hey, the second pandemic feels like it's coming because yeah. there's lots of people like you who might have been, like you said, like you, you feel anxious. You have young kids. Like there's things that you worry about and panic about all the time. Right. You want to provide for them. You want to have a good job. You want to do this. But now there was a little bit that pushed you over an edge for a year. Right. right. And this was right at a year for me where I was like, geez, I'm not feeling quite right. And I thought it was everything to do with physical where right. instead it was, hey, it's actually a mental thing. Right. And yep. like getting it in line. So that was uh, the first part of that. You were you were talking to me for sure, because that's You're exactly good. how I felt. You're in good company, Tip. I mean, yep. again, like, again, and it, it's ironic. Right. No pun intended, but. COVID's tipped yeah. people over mm-hmm. to experience more of that. So you're in very good company. I see it every day, man. I've got I've got a couple more, but I get in trouble for this doc uh, quite often. <laughs> um, and it's, it's my fault. Um, but, you know, I come from, well, I guess first is, is there more pressure um, or have you seen more pressure from an in- individual sport or a team sport aspect? 
Yeah, that's a great question. That is I'd a say good question. Team sports, <laughs> Thank you. honestly. I, I, team. Personally, I've seen more pressure from team sports. Okay. Right? And, and as you know, there's certain positions in team sports where there is already inherently more pressure. You know what yeah. I mean? The pitcher, the catcher, the quarterback, the mm. point guard. The center, like not the center. the center. Not the center. <laughs> Don't say center, Doc. Don't say center. He doesn't have to do anything. Not the five spot. Not at all. No. <laughs> Definitely the one. But like, <laughs> but ultimately, it's more so the team sports because it's like the pressure is not only do I carry a, a load myself as an individual athlete and I'm concerned about my own performance, but I have other people counting on me. Yep. Yeah. So that I'm not only sense. letting myself down, but I'm letting other people down. So that pressure is doubled for many people who play team sports. Absolutely, by far, I've found that it's more athletes who are in, t- in team sports. When you're when you're talking to people like that, like I always used it as the reverse. Like I don't play for myself; I play for them, and I use that as more of a motivating factor for myself. Yep, yep, and that's a good point. And I think Dan, I, I say that, but I think the other thing is that. The brain is a powerful thing, right? Y'all know this. Like, this isn't rocket science. I think that the main thing in terms of teaching athletes to, to relieve themselves of pressure is to say that any mistakes that are made, your performance is not your identity. I mean, that right there is huge. Yeah. Right? That, 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 take, that, takes, that takes a while to figure out, though. Does. Yes, fact. Does. I agree. Same I thing agree. with your job. It's like the job is the thing that you do. It's not the thing that defines you, right? Like that's Right. But I do find... Like, to that point, like, when you find athletes who, like, you know, oh, we lost because of me. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are we in PKs right now? Like, is it because of your mistake? Or did other people contribute to that, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I threw that pick. We lost because of me. Why was the game? Why were y'all playing 14 down? Maybe the defense didn't show right. up. You know what I'm saying? So, in other words, it's reminding athletes that it's not just you. There's 10 other people on the field. There's up four other people on the court, and they have the same responsibility you do. And that really shapes – do my part. So I say things like some of the athletes I work with, very simple mantra, my job, their job, right? My process, things like that. Simple statements that are related to do me, <laughs> do what I can do. And then other people on the team have to do that as well. Yep. Intense, well, but loose. Yes. That was uh, yeah. Tiger Woods, caddy. Ah, what's his name? Uh, Hit me with it, Dan. You'll think of it. Anyway, of it. he told him before the Masters, when he owned the Masters, when they teed off that final round, he said intense, but loose. I've said that mantra to myself about a yep. thousand times, Steve, like Steve, nonstop. Steve, not Steve. That's the, the one before. One. No, 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 no. Just now. Just now. Oh, just now. I just now. So what I get in trouble for sometimes is I take that locker room mentality or that locker room sense of humor away from the locker room, and you can have good locker rooms, you can have bad locker rooms, right? Yep. I yep. guess is there is there a line where is there a line where you've gone too far in the I. I Hey, I get I get sports are sports and can't really carry them in sometimes to that banter back and forth into your personal life because not everybody gets it. But is there a right. line in that locker room where, hey, you could have a good one, but it's going to go really south really quick if you go over this line? Absolutely. And I think that um, when we get into blaming and what I call what I call attribution of success and failure, in other words, if I'm in the locker room, and I, the, the line that can be crossed, and I think y'all know this very well, is that if I start to point the finger at other people not doing what they're supposed to do mm. and making it seem as if I did, <laughs> that can be a problem when I'm like essentially exalting myself and saying, yeah, so y'all need to step up. It's one thing to encourage your guys to do that, right? Or, or ladies or whoever it may be. 
But it's another thing to literally blame other people's mistakes, your your own mistakes on other on teammates. That right there is going to mess the culture up completely. And we've seen that happen numerous times is when, you know, I'm blaming teammates for something, not me personally, but I'm blaming teammates for something that is on me, mm-hmm. right? That literally would get you ostracized and isolated real fast. Mm-hmm. And I think the other point of that, though, Dan, is like I do think there's a line, too, in terms of you being able to understand how to navigate different cultures from a sports culture to say a business one or another one, you got to lay, know the lay of the land. So I think it really takes some trial and error. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. like there's a lot of trial, you, a lot of error. You already know. <laughs> so I think that there's a lot of places that hire mostly athletes, right? Like there's some financial institutions that I know that do that. And there's a whole lot of athletes that work in the same space. Right. And they have the same mental toughness vibes. But then there's other ones where you got to be way more diplomatic and know that there's certain things that are just not going to cut it with the things we talk about. Right. So when somebody comes in to you, it could be a 13-year-old tennis phenom, right? You know, whatever it might be. It could be a soccer player in college. could be a elite performing Olympian pro athlete. Yep. First thing that you do with them and you assess them, right? I'm like, what's a question that you ask them? What's an early question that you ask them? You know, uh, pick it. Yep. So quite literally, I'll say, you know, tell me what brought you here today. Mm-hmm. literally straight, like straightforward, simple, not complex. What is it that brings you to see me? You know what I'm saying? I'll use slang and things like that, of course. Mm-hmm. But like something to that effect, put a colon on the end. Like I just let them start letting it rip. Yeah, just and let, it, let it fly. Yeah, just yeah. let it roll because I need to have an idea so I can start thinking conceptually, right, and hypothesis test what it is they need and what they're struggling with. So as soon as they answer, I ask that very basic question, what is it that brings you to see someone like me, right? Because I always ask them probably probably prior to that, like, how'd you find out about me? And that tells me a little bit about it. They're like, oh, well, my coach said, or I heard you on that podcast, or I saw you on that thing, or, you know, my homeboy saw you, or something like that, or my mom and dad, you know, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And based on the referral source, that tells me a little bit about it. But then once they, once I ask them that question, I say, what brought you here? Like, why do you need to see me? And then they literally tell you every single time. And like we said at the beginning of the show, it's like 90 something percent of them say, yeah, man, like, I don't know what it is. Like, like I'm killing it at practice. I'm PR and like I was the state champion or, you know, we won a gold medal. And now I get out there and I just, I don't know what it is. I just like struggle mentally. And I literally what they say most of the time. And they just spill the beans. That makes I'm sense. I'm PR. I love that. I love that. Like the, I almost PR'd this morning. Uh, yeah, I, we're, we're just I thinking about that, Hear that all the time. Yeah, that, that's PR, a big PR. thing for us. <laughs> I, I, have, I have another one, too. I'm ready. So, right now, uh, well, all the, time. Let's how, go all how much time does he have? He's we ready. Take, right? we, we got might, five we more. Might be taking, I, we might I've be got taking one more. too much time. Well, this is he's on the clock. He's on, we're, on the, we're on the clock right now. We're going to get billed after this. There's a big bill coming. I've. You look at, I think, Michael Jordan. Okay, this is my answer. All right, right. but so I just I gave him I gave him that right off the start. But who's great, the tough, great question. Who's the toughest athlete out there? Don't think I guess like in wins and losses, but in terms of these just high performers that were just mentally tough. We, you know, we all probably watched the Last Dance. I'm like that guy was tough. Kobe Bryant, extremely yep. tough, right? And I think some of the reading that I've done, like I love I love uh, is it Tim. Glover or Grover, I can't remember, but he wrote Relentless, and he was Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan's kind of trainer, but also essentially almost like a life coach, right? And really, like, their mental toughness. Those are the people that pop to mind for me. Tiger Woods probably, maybe. Um, is there one that sticks out that isn't on that list that you're just like, this person, 
boys like the steel trap out there they really understand it they they're they're in touch with their mental side also uh, in terms of their physical side as well well i mean again y'all look y'all get to know me which i presume we'll talk again so let me mm-hmm. give y'all that disclaimer right no, so no doubt. I mean, hey I, I was on instagram earlier i want to i want a uh, uh, bow tie next time Hey, I see a I lot. You. I see a lot of bow ties on Instagram. Yeah. Man, I got you. I, I want to see. I, I was expecting a bow bow tie. I was thrown <laughs> off by the necktie. So look, here's the, here's the deal. We talk again. I'll wear a bow tie. I got you. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so with that being said, like here's my disclaimer. That was my disclaimer. I say that to say that when I think about a mentally tough athlete, I'm thinking about who follows a process despite what the game being on the line, despite how much we're down. And this is definitely not. Y'all get to know me. Y'all realize I am not like concerned what people think. With that said, like, hey, Tom Brady, man, like he, <laughs> for, for me. like I baited you into that because I didn't say his name. <laughs> I wanted him to I, say hey, Brady. <laughs> I'm being real, like, and I'm, and I'm objective when it comes to sports. Like, if there's an athlete, despite what team that I would cheer for and so on and so forth, the bottom line is that, you know, like he, to me, demonstrates a, 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 a level of poise, despite how much time is on the clock or not, and looking at his nonverbals, Michael Jordan was the same way. I agree with that. You know, I'll go old school with you. Like Ronnie Lott, I think oh, that he yeah. was somebody that was like that. You're talking about, like, bleeding and having to cut a finger off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to play regardless. That, that takes a level of intensity of knowing who I am and knowing my process so well that if I just follow my own process, it doesn't matter the external factors yes. that are contributing. And those athletes in particular stand out to me. So, yeah, of course, MJ, I agree with you 100%. I, will, I personally will say Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. I don't care what shots might be fired. I could care less. The bottom line is that dude demonstrates goat vibes. Yeah, yeah what, I mean, what it, what it yeah. does, it, his process or his mental strength really trickles down to everybody else. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you never hear him mm-hmm. say after a game when they lose – it's their fault. He always takes the, you know, he, he takes the blame for that. But when they win or when we won, it's everybody yep. else's fault. You yep. know, he's that ultimate team guy where everybody tries to play up to where he is. Not only do they try and play up, while he while they're trying to play up, he's trying to get better. At 44, whatever yep. gear he is and how many Pro Bowls or Super Bowls, that's the difference in those athletes like Tom Brady, like Peyton Manning, that sense yep. where they're never not, they're not good enough in their own mind. Right, which is what you know. That was was the MJ thing too, and that's like what Tim Flaver talks about. How they think about that, but those guys all have a shit ton of money, Doc. You know, they don't have a lot of those extra pressures or stresses that the average Joe does, right? So, what are some of the tools or exercises that anybody can do to get them into that that mind frame? Yeah, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, I'd also throw Michael Phelps in there in terms of, like, the process part of things as a swimmer. Some, Simone Biles? Like, yeah. she's crushing yeah, it Simone, now. Simone Biles, goat. Like, again, she's ridiculous, right? Like, Simone Biles is – and, again, her process, all they, they share in common the same attributes. That's the point. And I think that it's this idea that I follow my process. So, to your question, Dan, I think that Literally one of the most powerful skills that any athlete, and I definitely have this in my repertoire, any athlete I see absolutely does this regardless of why they see me. And that is mental imagery. Mental imagery, visualization, is so incredibly powerful because of the science behind it. I mean, you're literally creating these new neural pathways in your brain. Like, here's let me give you all something. You'll like this. We talk about muscle memory in sports, right? Like somebody like me is more interested in neuroplasticity. In other words, the precursor to that. What creates muscle memory? 
is the, the repetition, right? The things I'm doing in my brain to have what I call automatic or I'm in a zone or like he's just automatic, he's clutch, et cetera. All that's based on the neural pathways in my brain. So if I can take an aspect of my game and practice mental imagery outside of my sport enough times, then ultimately what happens is that when I'm on the field or the court or the pitch or whatever it might be, boom, if I see that image just for a few seconds, that's going to be powerful enough to get my body to propel it to do what I wanted to do without me moving a muscle. It's crazy, man. Like, yeah, I tell golfers, golfers do that all the time, right? Like they, like Jason Day will close his eyes before every yep. shot, and he's visualizing yep. it, right? That's what I'm going to do at yep. the uh, country club tomorrow. I'm going to mental <laughs> image true. every yeah. shot yeah. I take and have close the perfect, eyes. perfect, perfect golf yeah. swing for a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I call that the cheat code of mental skills, man, because like that's literally the skill that you can use to to make you perform better without you even like shooting or passing or you know what I'm saying, doing any of your process or mechanics is mental imagery is the thing that you can do without even like doing the physical part of it. It's crazy. That's what happened. I never did that. So I did. <laughs> I had, we I, answered I, a lot the, of questions. Today. Yeah. The first time I, I saw, actually was in the big 33 all-star game, they had a psychologist come in and it was, you know, stick your hand out and then I'm going to push it down. All right. Stick your hand out the next time and, and picture like a concrete Oh yeah, something. Yeah. It's yep. like, and then the one guy goes up there and it doesn't move. It's like, oh shit, this might work or yeah. something like that. So I think it's more involved in that, but that's makes like, sense. That's like the yeah, fight it, necklaces. The though, brain, the brain is a powerful like, thing. I, I get that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yep. No doubt. Hey, Doc, thank you so much for coming oh, this on. Was, I mean, that was that was awesome. I can't wait to have you on again with the bow tie. What kind of gator? You know, yeah. we're, what kind of gator does he like? Though? No, no, I know, I know. We got one more question. What's your favorite flavor of Gatorade? From the originals, you're smart enough to know what the original Gatorade flavors are. Or would you like matcha? What the hell is matcha? Oh, you oh, you firing shots now, dude. I am. Like, I'm firing my one final shot. You just made everybody look seem dumb. Now I want to know, what is matcha? Man, matcha, see, all right. I'm, I'm about to change all's life. Look at this. Matcha, <laughs> matcha is green tea, but... It's the entire green tea leaf made into a powder. So it's way more potent than green tea. It's full of antioxidants and it's, it's full of energy and you don't crash from it. It's like a really healthy alternative to, and, and I say this to, to say. Dunkin' Donuts? Like, I love Dunkin' Donuts. Hey, I'm a huge espresso fan. Don't get it. Don't get that twisted. I drink coffee. But in the afternoon, if I drink matcha, man, I'm, I'm good for like several hours after that. So it's basically all kind of recipes. You can make lattes out of it. Put some, if you like peppermint patties, man, hey, you put some peppermint syrup <laughs> in the matcha uh, and the water. That's all. Yeah. Okay. Fire. All right. Fire. Do, you, do you have to make this at home or can I buy this somewhere? Can I go yeah, somewhere I and get matcha? I mean, Starbucks, Starbucks has great matcha, actually. Gets you a ice right. matcha latte with slaps. Yeah. I like all it. Right, all right. What, but all right. Then what's your favorite Gatorade flavor or color? Oh, from the originals? From the originals. Man, dang, I like them all, bro. Uh, I'm going to go with. I'm gonna go with orange. Actually, I'm gonna throw the curveball. I'm glad. I, I'm we glad said, that it wasn't one know, of we ours. Should pro- we should keep track. We always say we should keep track. But <laughs> we, we could probably keep track and give every answer to him, and he can come out with like a clinical psychologist. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Of, of like, what yeah. exactly? I, red, I, orange, and yellow. I already is. said that red is like the psychopath one because Dan likes it. It's like I, I don't know anybody that likes red yeah. and yellows. Like, but the hey, one Doc, I, yeah. just so you know, if you get these young athletes in there, they're going to camps or anything like that. 
tell the parents to put the Gatorade flavor like in the ice trays. Yes. So <laughs> when you put the ice in, it doesn't water it down. That's right? the that's move. Just, hey, that's, yeah. just that's, that's just a move. pro tip for you. Yeah, that's the move. That's fire right there. I like that. Well, we're gonna have we're gonna have you back. That's without question. You gotta have the bow bow tie on next time. It was awesome. Sure. Uh, we learned a lot. I know that. I feel I feel great. I feel like I, I'm ready to jump on that couch behind you though and get some more hours in. <laughs> but uh, this was this was an awesome setup. You're you're you were doing some serious stuff and you are a much smarter person than, than uh dan and i we believe uh oh, is that accurate oh god yeah that's very <laughs> accurate never, right, i've never been so sure of something in my life and, and we <laughs> are glad the way that you speak to us though because you are real like this is real yeah. this isn't like a, a doctor that's you know you feel kind of strange to be around yep. he's this is a real real thing so it's a real doctor <laughs> I, had, I had a good time <laughs> so we'll bring we'll bring you on again soon we appreciate the time and uh you know I guess we usually say, like, people are past our prime or not. Like, he's right in the middle of he's it. He's a doctor for a long time. Yeah. You're in the middle of your prime. You're ready to go. I think he's, he's in the prime of that, no doubt. I Thanks, Doc. That, yeah. Thanks, Doc. All right. We'll see Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right, man. See Past Our Prime is brought to you by Squad Locker. Squad Locker is your one-stop shop for custom team apparel, delivered right to your front door. Learn more by visiting squadlocker.com.